I don't know if you've uh, uh, had to Google anything for, you know, trying to find something that is the best recently, but if you have, you're likely to have encountered a top 10 list. Have you ever encountered a top 10 list recently? You've done, I need to search for an idea for where to go for dinner. I need to search for an idea of where to take my car for repairs. The odds are you have come across a top 10 list. There are top 10 lists for everything, it seems. It seems there are top 10 lists for, for restaurants, movies, movies on Netflix, movies on Hulu, movies on Apple TV, movies on uh, Amazon Prime, movies, movies, movies. You've got them if you need a top 10 list. Uh, there are top 10 lists for songs. Top 10 lists currently being played in the U.S., currently being played all around the world for every subculture of music that you could ever expect, every subgenre of music. There's pop, there's rock, there's Christian, there's rap, there's R&B, there's country, although no one pays attention to that one. There's top 10 lists for plays of the day in sports. There's top 10 lists for plays of the season in sports. There's top 10 team rankings. Where does your team rank this week in sports? There's the top 10 richest people. There's the top 10 most wanted fugitives. Hopefully they're not both on, on both of those lists at the same time. Top 10 companies to work for in your area. Top 10 list of things to do on vacation. Top 10 list of things to do wherever you're going on vacation. Top 10 things that keep you awake at night. Top 10 ways to make money. Top 10 ways to make money with integrity. They are two different things. Top 10 ways to relax. Top 10 ways to improve mental health. Top 10 ways to handle bullying. Top 10 ways to save water. Top 10 ways to protect your online identity. Top 10 ways to improve productivity. Top 10 ways to simplify your life. Top 10 ways to get more active. Top 10 ways to get your kids more active. Top 10 ways to be happy at work. You know what I think we need? I think we need a top 10 list of the top 10 lists, right? That would, be, that would be really neat to see what most people are searching for and Googling. And I love top 10 lists because top 10 lists help you see how other people prioritize their lives. Top 10 lists help you see what's important and what matters to them, and they help you as well. You might have a list of things to do that you prioritize as first thing I got to do is this in my day. Second thing I got to do is this in my day and so on and so on. Lists and particularly top 10 lists help you decide what you need to do first and foremost in life. And they show you what other people say are the things that you need to do and taste and try and see and prioritize from according to their lives. Now, why all this talk about lists? Well, it's because there are challenges with lists. There are challenges with top 10 lists specifically. One thing that can happen is that sometimes our top 10 lists become set in stone. So let it be written, so let it be done, never let them be changed again, amen and amen, right? We've seen that 
in churches. If you grew up in church uh, or if you've been around churches a long time, I've been in ministry for over 20 some years now. And one of the things that can happen with, with top 10 lists is that things, those things can become sacred cows in churches. Uh, there were churches that I've seen and participated at and served at, not in an official capacity, but attended once or twice, where if you touched one thing in the order of service, my goodness, you got a, a, an impromptu meeting with the elders to tell you never again shall you move this one thing in the service. Lists can become sacred to us. They can help us become from a person of this is what's most effective to this is just the way I do it. And it becomes, um, it becomes robotic in nature. We don't even give it a second thought. And those things are challenging. When we, we, when we stop growing, when we stop changing because of our lists. But that's just one thing that happens. I think the biggest thing that happens when we have top 10 lists is that we can believe that something or someone is at the top of the list when our actions prove otherwise. We can believe that something or someone is at the top of the list, and they're really not. For example, a workaholic who works 12, 14, 16 hour days does so because they believe they're putting their spouse, they're putting their children as a priority, and they want to give them the things that maybe they never had the opportunity to have when they were growing up, when they were younger. So they work extra hours, they work longer to be able to provide the needs and wants for their family. However, if you ask their family, they'd say, no, you don't have us at the top of the list. I remember when uh, my son Josh was little and I was running off to another board meeting in the evening, uh, he said something like, when is dad going to have some time at home to play with me? And I thought I was serving my family well by being a loyal servant of God to the church, but in reality I was cheating my family of what they wanted most from me. The things that we think are at the top of the list aren't always at the top of the list. And it's way easier when we look at the lives of other people to say, I know that's what they say, but their actions don't add up to have that be true. And yet it's really, really hard for us to look in the mirror and say the same thing. We've always got something that says, yeah, but I've got a reason. I've got, this is, this is why I'm doing it this way. And we rationalize why our top 10 list is true, even though our attitudes or our actions don't actually match what we say is at the top 10. So Christian, if it's possible that we can say that something or someone is at the top of the list, but they actually aren't. Is it possible, just possible, that we do the same with God? Is it possible that we say, Jesus is number one. He's, he's number one on our top ten list of how to live life. But if people... 
or maybe, maybe God, were to look at how we live, he would say, actually, I'm not sure that's true. Do you think that's true? Do you think we can do that with God? Do you think that's true for those that are participating online? If you think that's true, type yes in chat. If you don't think that's true, say no. Or if you're not sure, say I'm unsure. What do you you guys think here, live? What do you think? Is it possible that we can say that Jesus is number one in our lives, and yet it's possible by the way that we live, he really isn't? What do you think? Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said it. He said that there will come a time at the end where people will say to him, Lord, look what we've done in your name. We've prophesied. We've performed miracles. And his response to them will be, depart from me. I never knew you. So there will be, for some people who thought that they had Jesus as number one in their life, when they come face to face with Jesus, they will discover that that actually wasn't true. I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about how we can guard against that. That when we say as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that Jesus is number one on our top ten list on how do we live, what does that actually mean for us? And if you've got a Bible, let me show you how we can do that in Matthew chapter 9. It's great to have a Bible. If you don't have one, I'd encourage you to grab one. Grab one where you can make notes along the side or underline some words. If you don't, that's fine too. Lots of tools where you can follow along on your phone. Uh, We are also going to have the verses on the screen for you that you can follow along as we read. We read in uh, Mark 9 verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some, of, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. And then after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led, him up a, led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became Dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Mark is not in this moment. So he's writing down what Peter and James and John have said happened. And this is the best way they could describe it. Jesus became whiter than white. Whiter than any bleach could work. Have you ever done anything with bleach? Most of the stuff I do with bleach is accidental. (laughs) A little bit splashes here, or I forget I'm putting in a dark load of laundry, and uh, I forget that I don't do that as much anymore. That's why I'm still happily married. Uh, but uh, you put the bleach in the wrong way. But if you use bleach well, it really does work, right? Uh, we use it for, for uh, 
uh, dishcloths that start to get that little bit of a funky smell. They kind of get wet but don't fully dry on the edge of the sink. We throw it in a, uh, a full sink of water. As a matter of fact, we throw in all the scrubbing stuff into the sink. And then how much bleach do you need to put in? Capful, maybe two caps, hardly any. And that smell of bleach just eliminates all those odors immediately. And they're gone for days. And it's whiter than if I took them out of the laundry without bleach. And here are Peter, James, and John trying to describe to Mark, who's written down this testimony of Jesus' life, that it's whiter than anything you could possibly imagine. So picture the image of purity, cleanliness that Jesus had. And not only that, not only are all of his clothes purified, but he's surrounded by legends of the faith. Legends, chat. Moses. What did Moses do in the history of God's people? I don't know. Just stood up to Pharaoh, said, let my people go parted the Red Sea. They saw God deliver them from the most powerful army in the world, led them through the desert to a mountain where they received the law of God. He stood in the presence of God Almighty. That Moses. That Moses who brought them to the edge of the promised land, who stood and held his arms up in battle against the Amalekites. And whenever his arms were held high, the Israelites were winning. When he got tired and his arms fell to his side, the Israelites would start losing the battle. He was pivotal in the early life of faith of the Israelite nation. And Elijah, Elijah, the biggest prophet of all. Why the biggest prophet of all? Because he was the one who stood up to corrupt rulers, not outside, but inside the people of God. He stood up against idol worship. You'll remember the story if you grew up in church in Sunday school, where there were over 450 prophets of Baal. Remember, they, would, they all challenged him to like a, 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 a sacrifice off, or an altar off, or a worship off, or some other off. And it was him versus 450 people. And those people, those, those priests, they danced, they, they, they chanted, they cut themselves trying to get their God to send down fire and consumed this offering on this altar that they had just created. And it's 450 to 1. This is right now the most dominant religion in Israel. And Elijah's like, yeah, chant louder, guys. Probably, probably can't hear you. Maybe your God's asleep. Did you text him? Did you remind him that he's supposed to show up to service today? Maybe he forgot. Did you get him on planning center so that he's part of the team? Did you get the email reminders that he's supposed to be here? And then it comes his turn. And he takes water. Douses the offering. Pours down the rock, so much so that there's a trench that he's dug. Water fills the trench. And Elijah kneels down and prays, God, show that you are the one true God. And a fireball from heaven hits that offering so that the 
offering is consumed, the rocks explode and the water in the trench evaporates. All the people see this and they say, God is the one true God. What should we do? And Elijah said, I think you should kill the guys who were leading you astray. And they take up swords and they clean house, literally and figuratively. That Elijah, that Elijah who at the end of his life didn't actually die, but was taken up to heaven in a chariot. That Elijah And Jesus is standing with those two people. Have you ever heard of the expression, man, would I have loved to be a fly on the wall at that meeting? You ever heard that? That's the moment I would have loved to have been there. That's the moment, normally I don't like to take notes at any meeting. I want someone else to be the secretary taking all of the notes at the meeting. I would have loved to have heard what they were talking about. That would have been amazing. So here's, like, this isn't the beginning of a joke. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are standing on a mountaintop together. This is an amazing moment. And Peter, James, and John, they are in awe. They don't know what to do. So Peter says in verse 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Peter wants to build them tents. It's time. It's got to be time. I, I'm not sure what to do, but let's, let's do this. And theologians kind of wrestle through what he might be doing and a lot of them land on this idea that I think makes a lot of sense that they're kind of celebrating the final feast of tabernacles which is still a feast that Jewish people celebrate today about the end of the journey through the desert they've arrived at the promised land now is the time now not a lot of us are Jewish not a lot of us celebrate the feast of tabernacle So let me put this in terms that you may understand, especially if you're a sports fan. If you're not, I apologize. (laughs) But this is the signing of a big free agent so that now you have a superstar team. The big three. If you're an NBA fan, you know what I'm talking about when I say the big three. Three different superstars on your team almost guarantee you that you will make the NBA Finals. It's been like that for about 12 to 15 years. And during the free agency period, during the offseason, teams will try to see who can get on what team in order to create this super team. That's what Peter is doing here. He's saying there's three people, there's these three superstars, Moses and Elijah and, and Jesus. I had no idea he was that big. The problem is, A lot of people celebrate the championship when it's just the preseason signing time. You've still got games to play. You've still got to actually get to the finals. And that's when God shows up. We read in verse 7 that God speaks. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, which would have had all sorts of symbolism for them, especially with Moses right there, the way the cloud led them out of Egypt, led them through the Red Sea. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, 
whom I love, listen to him. This is the ultimate, listen to me because I'm your dad moment. If you have kids, you kind of know what that is. Maybe your kids, when they're super young, they keep asking why, they keep asking why, but why do I have to do that? Why do I have to do that? And finally, one of the things that you say in exasperation is, because I'm your father, that's why. Because I'm your mother, that's why. Because I am a father figure in this moment. He's doing that to Jesus. Guys, he's more than a rabbi. He is my son. I love him. Listen to him. And what God does in this moment is so earth-shattering that we don't get this because we're not Jewish. What he is saying is, in this moment, is that Jesus is more than a rabbi and that Jesus is more than Moses, the one who gave you the law of God, and Jesus is more than Elijah, the one who stood up to all of those corrupt rulers and called God's people to repentance and worship of the one true God. He is the beloved son of God. And then we read in verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And Jesus was all that was left. Continues in verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves because what, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they have done everything to they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about them. Peter, James, and John do exactly what I would have done in that moment. Wait a minute, you're telling us that Jesus is greater than these legends, the ones who gave us the Old Testament. Are you telling me that Jesus is greater than them? But everything we've been taught about the Messiah coming is that Elijah comes back. After all, he went into heaven in a chariot and he's supposed to come back. And Jesus says he already did and you didn't see him. And of course, he's referring to John the Baptist. Who came with the ministry of Elijah. Who called all the religious elite rulers to repentance. Called them a brood of vipers, snakes. For blocking people's access to God with their interpretation of the law that became as important as the law itself. He came and he didn't have the ministry that you expected because Elijah had the big 450 versus 1 battle. The worship off. John the Baptist died in a prison because he made a promise to his daughter that he would give her half the kingdom. And she said, 
give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Kind of different in results, right? And so what people thought was, well, that couldn't be Elijah. They actually wondered whether Jesus was Elijah. He said, no, Elijah's already come. And he came and suffered and died. Just like the plan is for me to suffer and die. Don't forget, this is in the context of what we talked about last week. Where Jesus says, I want you to know that if you want to be my disciple... You need to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. But in the end, it will be worth it because we will see the transfigured Jesus, the glorified Jesus, because of his choice to surrender to God's plan even unto death. Jesus is God's son. And God loves him. Listen to him. How do we make sure that Jesus is at the top of our list? Listen to him. Here's how that works out. We don't always have Jesus at the top of our list. We admitted that. And we said that's always easier to spot in other people, in other Christians. What if that's true of us? We think Jesus is at the top of our list, but is Jesus influencing our politics more than our politics is influencing Jesus? Is Jesus influencing my views on my relationships Or are my views on relationships and my desires in relationships influencing my view about Jesus? Is Jesus influencing my financial goals and my financial priorities? Or are my financial goals and priorities influencing my view of Jesus? Is my schedule influencing Jesus or is Jesus influencing my schedule? Are my lifestyle choices influencing Jesus or is Jesus influencing my lifestyle choices? We like to put Jesus into a nice, tidy little box. And when we do that, we do it for two reasons. The one is because that's so that we don't have to change because we know that change means pain. And the second reason is because we want to listen to ourselves first before we listen to Jesus first. In a way, what the disciples were asking is, but my understanding of how eschatology works is that Elijah had to come and Elijah hasn't come yet, so therefore you can't be the Messiah. And Jesus says he hasn't come, you missed it. And we sometimes set those parameters around who Jesus is. And church, Christian, Jesus has this really awkward way 
of breaking out of our boxes because he will not be contained. He is the Son of God. And the most dangerous thing you will actually do in all of your life, the hardest thing you will actually do in all of your life is take up your cross and follow him and say, I will listen to you first. But get this, if you do this, if this is something that you choose to do, you choose to listen to the one who God, your heavenly father said, is my son, I love him and you listen to him, what you do is that you get to discover an amazing truth. The solution to whatever problem you're facing is found in Jesus. If you decide that I'm going to put Jesus at the top of my list of the one who's going to influence my life, That list just becomes a very short one. Because you discover in person what Jesus said would happen to his disciples when he said there will be some of you standing here who will not taste death until you've seen the kingdom of God acting, coming with power. The truth is, Whatever problem you're facing in life, the solution is found in Jesus. Jesus has an answer. Ben Witherington said it this way, the place where one can see the dominion of God in power or the saving activity of God in action is in the life of Jesus. So let me say it again. No matter what problem it is you're facing, Relational, political, financial, uh, busyness, lifestyle choices. The solution is found in Jesus. Because he is the son of God. Who offered his life for you. In a few moments we're going to take uh, communion together. I'm going to ask Will to come and join me here at the front. And as we distribute, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is Jesus at the top of your list? And if he is not, as we distribute, would you put Jesus at the top of your list? At your top ten, at the influence of your life, would you put him at the top? How encouraging it is to know that Jesus knew that he was going to suffer. And if you choose to pick up your cross and follow Jesus... It's going to be hard. You are going to suffer, but you are going to experience the power and the person of Jesus. You are going to experience the kingdom of God in power when Jesus is first. The amazing truth about the death and the resurrection of Jesus symbolized by his broken body and his shed blood in these crackers and in, these juice, in this juice is that his death had a fairly monumental effect, don't you think? Any person, no matter who they are or what they have done, can be right with God because of his death and resurrection. By putting their faith in him, they receive eternal life. 
That's the kind of Jesus that you can put at the top of your list. So as we distribute, take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to search you. Is Jesus at the top of your list? And would you make the commitment to put him there?